Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I find the cover photo the most excruciating part of the book because I hate having my photo taken. We tried so many when you're just looking down the barrel, and I just look awful. I hate myself. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Matt, I think for your next book, I think there's a very simple way to approach this. So you're looking down the barrel, you're on the cover of the book, you're staring deep into the camera's eyes, one word for you, shirtless. <laughs> Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of On Jimmy's Farm. This is the podcast where we discuss environmental issues and try and give everyone a slice of the good life. Now, it is an absolute cracker of a day. I'm just walking along the paths in the veggie garden, and we're just starting to plant out at the moment because the weather's picked up. It's beautiful, sunny, a bit windy, a bit cold still, but the ground is starting to warm up just been turning over the soil making a nice seed bed getting everything ready ready to plant out the new season's veggies which would be fantastic oh look there's a lovely ladybird there hello ladybird now you look at ladybirds and you always think oh they're really cute and you always think them in storybooks and stuff but they're the friend of the gardener come on on you go and they are just voracious predators you know, they're not these little cutesy little things. They are just unbelievable killing machines when it comes to eating green fly and aphids. So I want plenty more of you guys around. Now, today we have got two fantastic guests, two of my old buddies. Now the first is Matt Tebbett. He's a fantastic chef and you would have seen him presenting shows like Saturday Kitchen. He also co-presents Food Unwrapped with me, which is a fantastic show if you've ever seen that. He's a, he's a wonderful guy, Matt. I've known him for many, many years. And joining Matt is the wonderful Ollie Smith. Now, Ollie is just a force for good. He's one of the greats in the wine and drinks world. He's a regular columnist for lots of magazines and newspapers, and also is a, is a, a regular fixture on Saturday Kitchen as well. We have a lovely chat. We talk about all things food, food trends, diets, fads, myths, and what the future holds even veganism, all these sorts of stuff we discuss. And these two guys have got a really broad understanding of the food system and what's going on. They've really got a finger on the pulse. I hope you enjoy the chat. It's a wonderful walk down memory lane hooking up with these two guys again. It's lovely. They are lovely guys. And I will see you all back here at the Veggie Patch for a bit of planting. 
Right, here we are. Ollie Smith and Matt Tebbett, thank you so much for joining me yeah. on my podcast. Welcome. <laughs> we love it. What a pleasure. What a pleasure, Jim. But also, out of your busy, busy schedule. So, Ollie, <laughs> Ollie's frozen. Brilliant. I've frozen. <laughs> I'm back. This was the great start. I literally froze in a digital glacier and I'm now emerging like a weird caveman. Hello. Oh, Ollie, where are you? Because your Wi-Fi is not brilliant. Where are you? I'm backstage at the Ideal Home Show, Jimmy. I've just roared on stage, pouring wine at people, and I've raced into a little room. And here I am, immersed. I tell you what, it's lovely to be back out, though. Seeing the crowds back on stage, terrific. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And Matt, you aren't feeling very well, are you? Uh, I'm absolutely fine, Jimmy. How very dare you? I'm invincible and I'm... <laughs> I'm not feeling 48 at all. Oh. I had quite a busy weekend. When I say busy, I mean I drank quite a lot on the weekend. Yeah. And you know when one day goes to the next day, goes to the next day. And then Monday I went up to see my daughter who was playing a band, her band, in the Ned in London and got overexcited again. <laughs> and then I was sh- I was shouting and screaming at her, you know, in a good way. Yeah. And then I've, got, <laughs> so I've lost my so I've lost my voice. Oh no, um, so you're pretty exhausted. But Ollie just looks Radiant. Look, Just look at that chiselled jaw. And do you know what? Yeah. When it comes to food, I often watch both of you when you're on at the same time on Saturday Kitchen. You're like the R2D2 and C3PO of food. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Ollie. Like you're so, definitely like your C3PO because you've got that golden <laughs> yeah, yeah, glow. Yeah. And you probably speak yeah. a thousand languages. <laughs> <laughs> and you're quite posh. Matt, you're definitely <laughs> R2D2. <laughs> Because you've got those strong little legs. You make lots of whistles and clicks. And then you've got a mysterious third leg that appears. Yeah. Comes out on the weekend. Oh, that third leg or in times of trouble. And you can wheel off quickly. I quite like that analogy. But listen, as you are two movers and shakers in the food world, I wanted to talk to you. Are yeah, you yeah. are about yeah, we are. food, <laughs> we are food back. trends, Matt. Because we've worked together for many years on Food Unwrapped, which yeah. is coming back. Which is coming back, absolutely, for another season. Congratulations. Which is all good. And Ollie, you've written for umpteen different newspapers, published books, been on stage, been on TV in the world of wine and drink. I really want to talk to you about trends in drinks because that's often forgotten about when we talk about food. It's just, it's always seen as the secondary, but it's not. It's it's a massive industry. So for you guys, what have been the sort of really big stick out food trends of the last sort of 10, 15 odd years, you think? Because I can think of a few. Well, I think in wine, Rosé's been on the rampage, but that's mainly because of Matt's big weekends. Um, Yeah, (laughs) you're welcome. (laughs) But I mean, I'm going to go straight into bat on English, you know, English produce, English wine, because, you know, there's some great Welsh wine as well. Anke Hill Estates are fantastic. But English stuff up near where you are, Jim, actually, you know, I think of Flint wines. And then in Essex, you've got that amazing climate, the rain shadow that delivers just amazing backers from New Hall. Yeah. And everybody thinks of the fizz when it comes to English wine, but the trend I'm seeing is still white wines, is backers. So I'd say yeah. rosé in general has gone on the rampage. But as far as English wine goes, this great variety called backers. It smells like elderflowers. It tastes like somebody is squirting an electric grapefruit into your eyeball, and it makes you disco dance. I hope you're not expecting anything like that from me, <laughs> No. Quite frankly. Talking about the wine, <laughs> I, I will be honest. Say 15 years ago, wine, British wine, English wine would have been seen as a bit of a joke. The idea yeah. of going, oh, God, it's terrible stuff, really expensive. But the vineyards I've been to now, and there's locally, Ed Sheeran's just planted a vineyard as well, just down the road. Um, yeah, everyone's, really? get, everyone's getting into wine. But now it's a real 
contender. So that is a big food trend. The last 15, 20 years, definitely. You know, they're actually taking British wine seriously. But what about the grub, Matt? What have you seen? All the years you've been doing Saturday Kitchen, what's the things that you think, wow, this is a massive trend? So over the last 20 years, I think what the thing has changed is that seasonality is front and centre of people's minds. And that's the sort of the general public as well. I think on the whole now, a lot of people will question, is it in season? Will it be tasty? The locality of it, how far away does this come from? The eco-credentials is a huge thing now. I mean, that's more of a modern thing and, you know, shipping avocados around the world, etc. So the ethics of food is very big. I mean, in terms of style, the biggest shift and the most exciting shift is the fact that food has left kind of the preserve of elitism and has gone down to... It's food that essentially you could go out and eat at fantastic restaurants and just have small plates. It's a small plate thing I'm getting to, where you could have six little sort of tapas affairs. It's fantastic. It's not necessarily Spanish, although I'm calling it tapas. And you can graze. And that's the conviviality of that and the choice that it gives people is enormous. And it's so much more welcome than that traditional fine dining, brushing down tables between courses nonsense, which I can't abide. Yeah, you don't like brushing down. You don't like crumbing down. No, I don't. You don't like <laughs> cleanliness in general. From me. I'm angry about it. Yeah. I want to leave a table after a really good lunch, like a sort of some crime scene. Yeah, I've been, I've been to lunch with you, and it either looks like <laughs> the tablecloth looks like a Jackson Pollock, or yes. it looks like a map of the Battle of the Somme. It's one of the two. exactly what it needs to look like. <laughs> I, want, I want breadcrumbs. I want red wine that's been spilt. I want white wine thrown over that to try and get rid of that red wine. Yeah. It has yeah. to be a mess. Autographs on the napkins, loads that's of yes. autographs, mainly, mainly from people we've just met. <laughs> and, and, and mass lunches start when you go in and it's daylight and you come out and it's dark. <laughs> oh, my, no, Linna. Yeah. My Linna, yeah, my friend Mitch Tonks has a great line about lunch starts on a Friday, Friday lunchtime. And ends in Monaco on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah, were those great drinking stories, weren't there, of Peter O'Toole and uh, I think it was Peter O'Toole and Richard Harris, that famous one, where they started drinking in London, woke up in Paris, and one of them said to the other, how did we get here? And it was just this, <laughs> never ask. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's true, if you go to lunch with you two, you've really got to take your passport, haven't you, really? Exactly. It's a wise move. And they are the best lunches. And many years ago, I was chatting, I was doing a thing with Cleo Rockus, you know, Kenny Everett fame. Yeah. And she was telling me back in the 80s, her and Kenny used to have a Friday passport lunch where he would make her take a passport with her to lunch. They would go, they would get smashed. They would then go to an airport, look at where the planes were going, where did they fancy? And then they'd go there for the weekend <laughs> <laughs> with great regularity. I think Matt's laughed so much, he's knocked his phone off his, Sorry. Off his chaise long there. Yeah, he did. You've got, <laughs> yeah. you, and I bet you have got a chaise long. I don't have a chaise long, so I don't. <laughs> with a cup holder on the side. I bet you have. <laughs> you know, I think when it comes to food trends, I, one of the big things that... I think it's changed. You were, like when farmers markets took off, you know, when you used to go to the NEC Good Food Show and there'd be a specific area for the small yeah. producers. Farmers markets, every little town had a farmers market. They've sort of died off slightly and then turned into food markets where you go and eat something for lunch. You get a falafel or you get sort of a whatever it is. But the interesting thing is that those sort of peripheries of the food industry have now become the norm. So you, now you're getting the supermarkets doing. Gloucestershire old spot pork or you're getting the 
you know, all those local brands, which has been a, a really good thing. But what about avocados? Avocados, I mean, think about it. My mum still calls them avocado pears. Yeah, like, so does mine. So does yeah. mine. Yeah. But, but now yes. they are everywhere. Smashed on toast. 1993, was it Bill Granger really made the avocado hit the yeah. scene? I think Bill first squeezed an artichoke into our faces. I think that was what happened. And, and we loved it. Yeah. And we, I, th- I think it's, it's really interesting, though, to, to the point you make about things, you know, filling the mainstream, the, the middle getting bigger, if you like. And it's, it is, on the one hand, it's really good. But on the other hand, you know, looking for trends of the future, as far as drinks goes, I'm amazed at how rapidly we've all embraced the idea of kind of non-alcoholic, that whole sector of no and low. Yeah. I thought the idea of creating a non-alcoholic gin or a non-alcoholic whiskey, it's kind of, I don't really get it because, you know, I, I want something different. I don't necessarily want whiskey without alcohol because, you know, whiskey's got alcohol in it. And I, I kind of understand why you might. But what I'm really kind of knocked out by is the low booze beers. They're really where it's yeah. at. They're totally amazing. Like Lucky Saint's amazing. You know, the Brooklyn Brewery's got them. I mean, there's just so many now that are of a standard. The small beer company, have you come across them? They're, I'm wondering where this is going to end up though. Because yeah, they are brilliant. And I'm just thinking, what is going to happen? Because we're going to need something to fuel Matt's lunches. And if there's no <laughs> booze left, how's that going to work? <laughs> the, the, the thing is, when you say of the low alcohol drink sector, the beer side of it, have perfected it and they've got amazing drinks. I've got always low alcohol or zero alcohol beer in my fridge because if I've had, yeah, yeah, if I've had a a busy day outside and I want a beer drink, I want that lovely hit, maybe lunchtime, but I've got to go back to work or I'll do that. But I've also got full strength beers as well. Don't worry, you're you're looking looking disgusted at me. But I do like that because that first hit, amazing. But when it comes to the spirits, okay, I mm. think they are at the early stages of vegan food. When vegan food sort of first hit the scene, and it was like, this is terrible. Yeah. That, that's not a burger. That's not a sausage. That's not a, all those sorts of things. I think the spirit world, the zero alcohol spirit element isn't quite there yet. It just, for me, tastes yeah. a bit sour or not quite. Do you know what? Although you say that, I tried, was it you, all that recommended the zero tanqueray? The tanqueray, zero tanqueray. I thought is amazing, it was really yeah. good. Really yeah. good. Because I've by the, the time Gordon, you mix yeah. it with your, with your tonic anyway, you still got that gin kind of yeah. taste. Yeah. But you don't have to. I thought that yeah. was one of and the better ones I've ever tasted, actually. I think there are some isolated examples. The Everleaf, I think, do a really good job. They're, they're, the drinks are very textural and they're sustainably sourced. They're botanicals. They're, you know, they're great topped up in long drinks. But on their own, there's one called Forest. And it's the first time I've had something that I thought, it doesn't taste anything like whiskey, right? It's more like sort of saffron. It's got this wonderful exotic character, but it's a thick, rich texture. You stick a nice spherical ice cube in that and a big, heavy glass. And you just think, you know, I'm not a million miles away from the same kind of vibe. And I think we're going to start seeing it coming. I agree with you, Jimmy. I think they're not there yet. But Everleaf are good. Caledia are pretty good. The Tanqueray Zero is good. They're coming. But I think watch this space because a lot of the brand leaders, the market leaders, I'll taste them and I'll think, well, I don't get it. I just don't understand how it's that expensive and there's this much hoo-ha about it. I'd much rather go for something like Mother Roots. You know, they, she does a brilliant ginger. Have you tried that? That is unbelievably good. Just topped up with some soda, yeah. ice, big stick of rosemary in it. Man, it's enlivening. Henry Chevalier started making those sort of shrub cordials and stuff like that, which I, I really love. Yeah. But the other thing I, did, I haven't really got my head around was, do you remember that sort of the vinegars you'd have as a shot before you'd have another drink yeah. and stuff like that like, like a pickleback a, yeah, yeah like a, those little pickle shots i didn't really because i just I i'm sorry I, you'll have to educate me on this a well, shot so of thing, vinegar it, it, before you had another drink you could, yeah, 
Yeah, or what more pickle chips. That, what, what's uh, the point? Well, it's kind of a jolt, and it the flavour combo. I saw someone doing this the other day, and they kind of described it as tasting like a Big Mac. Or they had, I think it was Big Zoo actually. He had a, a shot of pickle juice, yeah, and then he had like a shot of bourbon. And I can kind of see, you know, if you want to, if you want to make the flavour of a dirty burger, then fine. But I kind of like it because it just it kind of sets you at light. Makes you think I need a drink, what, like, and then you like do it again, and it seems vinegar words really. Yeah, well, yeah, but yes. Yes. Are, that's an interesting food fad, isn't it? Because we talked about fads that have come along and changed the way we eat. You know, like gastro pubs liberating food, so it's for the masses. But what about fads that have just been stupid or things you think, oh come on? How, how long have you got? <laughs> I try to put them out my head. To be honest. Let's talk about fads. I think I'm seeing, well, it's died off a bit. At one point, I was seeing pea shoots. I like pea shoots, but I was seeing pea shoots with everything. You know, pea shoots on the side of plates nonstop. And I'm just like, oh, God, if I see yeah. another pea shoot. I always thought, you know, the micro crest that mm -hmm. you get on a lot of things. Until I got sent away with food unwrapped, actually, Jim, to the guy who produced them. I thought that was nonsense as well. And then he explained to me that each one of those little tiny crests it's like the equivalent of eating 40 heads of broccoli. You don't wow. get the fiber, but you, all the, no the, pro, the vitamins that you get out of it, they're incredible. They're like supercharged little things. So they're not just pretty sort of garnish on the plate. So they were quite, that was quite interesting. Foods, what other fads have we got at the moment? Fermenting is starting yeah. to annoy me because people are right. fermenting <laughs> literally yeah. everything now. And there are some things that benefit from it. And there's other things that you go, what the hell? Why would you ferment that? Yeah, I don't yeah, get why it. Why would you bother? I haven't got a problem with vegan food or vegan. <laughs> yes, like you that, do. But I, I, no, I just, <laughs> <laughs> You're a farmer, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you are copying something like bacon or sausage. Yeah. I think the world is, of vegan food is so interesting yeah. and groundbreaking. Why try to emulate something that is highly processed? You know, you could create something so much more spectacular. My problem with yeah. vegan. A lot of vegan food, not all of it, but a lot of it, is the heavy processing. You think, why, if you're going down this track of I'm not eating meat to save the world, then why would you opt for a mass-produced item from a factory that's had so many processes going on in it, you're not actually gaining anything? So, you know, whether you could just eat vegetables. That's yeah. my issue with so much yeah. vegan food. But then, you know, I suppose people will argue that, well, they want the taste, they want the texture of meat that they miss, but they don't want the guilt of it. So yeah, I don't the, know. The familiarity of eating meat is important, but but also the, the world of veganism has created an amazing opportunity for food manufacturers. It's just opened up the market, even in drinks as well, because I think when people become vegan, they don't realise about alcohol and the use of Absolutely. And wine and things like this. Yeah, ox blood and goodness knows what else has been used to fine and, and filter wines. And it's one of those things, funny, I've just written a column about this because, yeah, because fining and filtration, you know, over the years, they use egg white, albumin, casein, isinglass from fish bladders. There's a lot of it, you know, kind of weird. It sounds like it's sort of a special interest, really, doesn't it? Quite <laughs> oddly kinky. I don't know how they discovered all these things worked, but I think what I'm seeing now is much more fining agents like bentonite, which is a kind of clay, which is much more, you know, it's easy to use. It's vegan friendly. I think, you know, wine growers, they get away with some amount of stuff because they don't have to label what they're using to find and filter. Now, I, I would go and say, I, th I don't think that's great. I think every consumer deserves to know exactly what's gone into every everything they're going to consume. And I really salute, you know, labeling it clearly for vegans so they can see. But the thing in wine that kind of gets me when I kind of think back 
you know, I love there's so many spectrum of flavors out there, right? And the, and the, the kind of backgrounds of the whole thing. It's never ending. That's mm-hmm. why I love it so much. But when we latch on as a kind of society to, for example, Prosecco or New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc or in the 80s, you know, Muscadet, I don't mind because I get it. They're all lovely, but it's at the expense of so many other similar, amazing, great varieties, places. And then we lose track of the really important stuff we need to talk about, for example, like monocultures, sustainability, all of the things that in the background, really, I feel like I should probably talk a lot more about. And I'd relish the chance to do that because we're in a situation now we've got a lot of pressure on household budgets. I totally see that. At the same time, as a society, as a planet, we need to address how we step forward because I'm not entirely convinced that this is a sustainable model as it's going now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No, yeah, you're right. What we eat and drink has a well, huge effect on the planet and its climate. Sorry, I was just going to say, Jim, as far as vineyards go, all I'd really love to see, to be honest, is just a little bit more sensitivity. You know, don't necessarily plough up between the rows, allow cover crops to grow, encourage insect life particularly. Uh, biodiversity can really be encouraged with, with particularly biodynamic farming. And it doesn't need to be kind of extraordinarily radical and mixed farming, you know, all the way. It can be a gesture. But if everybody makes the gesture, it adds up to a whole huge amount of change that's positive. Presumably, I've never thought about this actually, Ollie, but presumably vineyards are one of those places where they absolutely keep it immaculate and scrupulously clean. Like you say, they plough everything up. They don't want any insects affecting those grapes at all. Yeah, historically that was true. And I think only now in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, I remember going to my first biodynamic vineyard in Chile and probably, yeah, 15 years ago. And lots of journalists on the trip, you know, myself included, being generally wowed by the idea that other animals and insects would be encouraged in the vineyard. And I'm glad to say it is becoming more common. And people are embracing the idea of a, a kind of a healthier ecosystem all round. And it's not by stripping up vines and not making wine. It's just by doing it in yeah. a way that actually probably arguably a little bit, a little bit more straightforward right. if you're blessed with the right climate. So I'm not saying that everybody with an English vineyard is going to find that very straightforward. But if you are in the right place, Chile is a great example. Not a lot of mildew, very dry, a great right. possibility to be more friendly. Then why wouldn't you do it? Absolutely. And when you look at Australia, the water usage is that I spoke to yeah. one agronomist and he was saying that if I slightly stress this plant, I can produce more grapes on the same amount of water by putting it through the water stress. And you think, well, actually, you're producing the same grapes 
twice as much grapes with less water, looking at biodiversity as actually a gain rather than a negative. It's thinking rather than thinking about the pests, yeah. thinking about the predators and yeah. creating more biodiversity, making a much more stable environment. We're only just learning that. But unfortunately, when you're growing the same crop in perfect rows, <laughs> they like to make it look neat, you know. And so that's, you know, we need to get yeah. out of that sort of culture, I think. And I think the consumers starting to see they can actually have an effect on the planet by the things that they buy and how they shop. And I think people are becoming smarter when it comes to shopping. Mm. The other food fad, I think, which is, you know, well, actually it's to do with alcohol, is that we swings and roundabouts when it comes to what we like and then what we hate. Chardonnay was massive. And now it's like anything yeah. but Chardonnay. I know. I really like, I feel yes. so sorry for Chardonnay. I think an unoaked Chardonnay is delicious. It's still massive <laughs> for me. Don't worry about that. I love the oak. I want those heavy, rich, buttery, oaky chardonnays that everyone hates. Everyone goes through that stage, don't they? I think. It's like I think rosé is going to have the same in a couple of years. I think, I mean, I've started drinking rosé. It's getting quite tasteless because everyone wants those super pale southern French ones. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo. This is what happens. This is what happens. The character gets stripped out to appeal to an even wider audience. So it happened with Pinot Grigio. It's a classic example. You can find amazing Pinot Grigios laden with flavor, lower the yields, you know, just take a bit more care when you're actually creating the wine and, and shepherding it through the fermentation. But if you're doing it on a massive scale and all you want is yields, yeah, you're totally just going to rinse out all of the joy and love. Not to say all Pinot Grigio is bad at all, but you're bang on that. And I think we've got to watch it with things like Rosé because the more popular it gets, the paler, you know, everybody wants it more nuanced, more subtle, but somehow the prices creep up. You think that just doesn't wash. I want to know that I'm drinking something. I want something with as much character as Jimmy and Matt combined. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible That's too much for you, anyone, that. <laughs> the other thing is that over I mean, the last 20 years of working in television is that I haven't seen so many shows about diets and fads and all this kind of yeah. stuff. What's your take on the diets that are just thrown out there all the time. I mean, when I was growing up, there used to be the Cambridge diet or the cabbage diet, and that was about it. Yeah, and then there was like the Montignac method and, you know, no carbs. And what was that other one? There was that one with, I can't remember what it was Atkins. even called, but Atkins, yeah. I mean, I'm somebody, my weight's fluctuated over the years. And, you know, I, I think I've landed on a fairly simple solution, which is eat a bit less, go to your personal trainer twice a week, <laughs> exercise, and don't drink Isn't it weird? like a thirsty horse. Yeah. Isn't I mean, it that's, weird? That works. That just works for me, but I'm not going to speak on behalf of other people. But, you know, I know that when I'm exercising regularly, I feel better. You know, I can fit into my regular wardrobe rather than my embarrassing wardrobe and all the rest of it. And I just think, you know, in life, we're creatures of habit to a degree. But I think it's having the honest conversation with yourself and yeah. making it a sustainable, ongoing. It's life, isn't it? It's not cutting things out necessarily. It's just, you know, embracing what Very you're ruling cool. in. My dear friend Dave Lamb once said to me, just, you know, think of the things you love and just make the middle bigger. Just make the mid. And I thought, yes, I don't need to think about stripping stuff out. I need to embrace a bit more exercise, a bit more yeah. of a healthy attitude. And maybe, you know, I don't, don't cut out the wine. I, I love I, the wine. I think if, we're, I if, we're honest, I if we're honest, we're all pretty lazy and we're just looking for that magic answer. Yeah, yeah. the solution. If I start yeah, eating quinoa or if I start taking more sort of bacteria that I, it's going to help me lose weight. If I, you know, all these things, but these things only tend to work 
in their natural environment because there's a whole host of other things going on. Particularly yes. when you look at like these yeah. blue zones. Yeah, exactly. It's not just the food, it's the culture, it's the environment. There's much more going on. So I think the and diet I, fads is, is a nonsense. Yeah, I agree, Jimmy. And I think that the other issue with diet fads for me is that they're goal-oriented. And that may sound sort of strange and counterintuitive, but if you think, well, I want to get to this weight or I want to get to this look or I want to fit into those trousers, what tends to happen is once you've achieved it, I'm speaking personally from my experience, is you do it and then you go, right, I'm off the leash. Way! Yeah. It <laughs> That's exactly do. what I so, do. Yeah, I think the longer approach, the long game has got to be, think of the Wogan model. You want to be doing this in your 70s, and you know, ideally in your 80s. Don't you? you want to be there. You want to be having fun you know, with, with as wide an audience as possible. It's Sniper's Alley between 50 and 60 for us guys. We've got to look after ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> what a great phrase. But no, you're absolutely right. Do you know what? So I, my little spell in hospital in January, it really kind of woke me up because I thought, because you're laying there and you're not feeling particularly good about yourself or life and you're feeling pretty awful. And you kind of question your lifestyle and how much you drink and how much you eat and what time you eat and stuff like that. So I kind of started to tailor that now into lifestyle. And it makes a big difference. Not going for a Chinese at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> is a really good thing. <laughs> um, a, a, you sleep better. B, you wake up feeling much better about life and you don't have indigestion all night. And you're not piling in all those calories and just laying on it. So I've noticed that doing things like that Cutting down and learning to stop eating. That was another one for me. Stop eating when you're full yeah. rather than just plowing on and finish the plate. And because I've always done that. And I, I remember, I mean, somebody on a crew once said, you are literally like a Labrador puppy. You're just keen to please, and you just literally eat everything in your sight. But that is... <laughs> <laughs> and you, <laughs> and you yeah, chew the look. furniture. But the thing is... is that he does chew the furniture. But you have got... And he's not house trained. <laughs> but you've got the chef's curse, haven't you? Because a lot of chefs, they live in the world of food, they're surrounded by food, and you're constantly tasting and eating, and it's a delight to do that. And particularly if you're filming and there's stuff around, it's hard not yeah. to pick at it. Well, I do. I mean, we've always said, I mean, whenever we're on set together and there's like prop food in front of you, I'll just eat it. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and they say, can you, Matt, can you stop eating yeah. the bloody prop? I remember we were filming in China and you'd done your piece to camera and you were sitting uh, on the same table as me. Then I had to do a piece of camera and I had these, I think they were fried aubergines or something in front of me. Oh, then, they were delicious. Yeah, but continuity went out the window because your hand kept appearing. You were eating, you were eating the props. So by the time I finished my piece of camera, half the food had gone. It's like, it's like Matt, stop eating the props. I will literally eat anything in front of me. So I've started to try and stop myself, be a bit more disciplined, yeah. a bit more self-control about that, to be honest. And booze. Booze is a tricky one. So I can be quite good in a week. And the trouble is, it's like going back to the old, you know, hey, don't I look good? I can fit in this shirt. Now I'm off the leash. So on a weekend, I go nuts. Yeah. So essentially, I binge drink, which I think is not particularly good for you it's, either. Oh, well, I think <laughs> it's not ideal. It's not ideal. There's, there's quite a lot of us. I think do literal, that. little and often, little and often is the advice. <laughs> that yeah, that's probably. I'm not glad, I'm you glad we're giving medical advice as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's it, what is lovely is the show that you both do on Saturday Kitchen 
is that that is one of the best hangover cures. You know, if you've been Thanks. if you've been out, <laughs> you're very kind. You. If you've been you. out on a Friday night, I think right. Let's put R two D two and C three PO on, um, <laughs> and let's see what they've got. It might be Obi Wan Kenobi. Who knows? But um, that's a great show. It's a real mixture of interesting guests, and then you have guest chefs on there. Uh, you know, new restaurants opened or whatever it is, new cookbook. Who have been sort of standout guests that you've gone, I can't believe we've got them on? I remember, Ollie and I were very excited about Tim Peake, astronaut. Yeah. Yes! An actual, an actual Actual astronaut. spaceman! Spaceman! Uh, yeah! <laughs> yeah! Well, I think, so I that think was... we did keep in rehearsal saying, Tim Peake, spaceman! <laughs> spaceman! Which we had to rein in from. So actual that was... Buck Rogers. <laughs> I'm always, like, when I get excited about somebody coming on, I call them by their both names. Oh, yeah. So, like, uh, yes. rather, rather referring to Gary Barlow as Gary, I was like, it's Gary Barlow. Hello, Gary Barlow. What can I get you, Gary Barlow? And it becomes a bit embarrassing. Gary Barlow's got such a lovely voice when he's, he's really calm. And then he laughs. Nice and calm. Yeah, and he goes, calm oh, he's just, and he goes, he goes, he's he goes ah, 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 ah. Almost yeah. like a, a northern version of the Count Dracula from Sesame Street. <laughs> That's very good. He is such a lovely fella. And the nicest people we ever have on are the ones who have just they got nothing to prove and yeah. they're just super cool and this is what I've done or this is what I do and I'm quite happy with that. Anyone in life who's trying too hard yeah. is a little bit mortified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> what about stuff going wrong? Oh, yeah. Stuff- well, actually, it was one week when Matt was – I think you were away for some reason and Michelle Reginia was hosting. But it came to me doing the wine in the studio and one of the researchers had forgotten to put out the bottle of wine. So I had oh, to do Love no, on BBC One – Imaginary wine taste, literally like swirling my glass, going, well, if it was here, it would taste like this. And that was a hit. But that, I love that because it shows the show is live. And the thing I love about when things do go a bit awry is that Matt is so, you're actually very naturally really funny. And I think that's so warm for the yeah. viewers at home because you always own it as well. You always say, oh, yeah, I've thrown that over there. Well, that's somewhere on the floor, isn't it? And you kind of say it how you see it. And it works a charm. Because well, it, it, the worst thing would be to see the panic in your eyes, which I know is secretly there, by the way. I mean, <laughs> the, the, last, the last two weeks, the last two weeks on the trot, I've used a blender and on both occasions it's worked in rehearsal and on both occasions it doesn't work in life. And so you're just stuck there and you can't do the rest of the recipe because you've got lumpy things in a blender which aren't going to come together. <laughs> so you just have to ride it. So and it's, it's, I think it's very funny, usually, and I really couldn't give a monkey's. Yeah. And B, I think worth what happens at home anyway. And people, I think they like that yeah. because here's they TV and they're all supposed to be slick and they've cocked up as well. And it's just, and that's life. And that's what makes life fun. I can't bear it when you watch cookery shows and everything is just perfect because it ain't the case. It really, really isn't. It's true. It's true. Because we've seen that highly polished finish and, and cookie shows a film like natural history shows where yeah. it's just tumbling this and everyone's got all these amazing friends that come around and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's not really, yes. where, where are the arguments? Where, no. where, where is the annoyed <laughs> yeah. chef in the kitchen yeah. where everyone's piled into the kitchen yeah. drinking wine and getting in the yeah. way? That's yeah. never the case. Where's me stumbling in the background treading on Lego? <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true <laughs> nothing more painful it's an interesting one because the the food and cooking shows it's such a big part of tv now and the way we eat is such a big influence on the natural world 
Do you try to do more for the natural world and the stuff that you do and, and the things that you promote? In terms of yeah. what ingredients? Food or? waste, ingredients, ethical eats, what wine to buy that's better for the environment? I, I definitely do. I mean, I'm a patron of the Bumblebee Conservation Trust, which I love. And I, so I do try as much as I can with wine to find producers that are operating at least sustainably, at least with minimal use of anything uh, murky. And where I can, I try and encourage you know, wine growers to make healthy and positive changes. So yes, definitely from my point of view, Jimmy, I think that stuff is really important wherever possible. Sometimes it, you know, it doesn't always fit. Life's not perfect. But wherever possible, I think if that's your bandwidth, that's got to be a good thing. And fair trade and all of that stuff, I think is part of the responsibility of being, you know, being honored with the voice and being, you know, having people trust you and listen to you, that you should try as much as possible to, to give that bandwidth, to give that spotlight to as many as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't give a monkey. It's quite. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I'm, joking, I'm joking. I'm yeah, joking. Yeah. You've got a whole show about veganism. Not that you're a vegan, or you're saying everyone's no. a, a no. vegan, but it's the idea of looking at what we eat and eating more veg and having more of a balanced it, it, diet. That was exactly the point. And the, and the show's the original working title was "Eat More Veg" or "V is for Veg," and it was to get people, I suppose, like me. Uh, maybe you guys, maybe not so much you, Jimmy, being a farmer. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I had this conversation with my son and he, he says, I just eat so much meat and I expect to. And he's not an eco-warrior by any stretch, but it's just ingrained in them now that the diesel car I have out the front is killing the planet. He's incensed with me about that. He wants me to go and get an electric car, although I've got three years to run on the contract. Um, <laughs> so going back to the vegetarian show, it was about eating more veg and not missing the meat between, say, a Monday and a Friday. And then the meat we do eat needs to be of better quality, preferably local, and from those sort of small farms, which, you know, and I will argue, and I'm sure you will, Jim, till you're blue in the face, that that is not the issue when it comes to methane production or what have you. You can't tell me, I mean, I'm surrounded by little Welsh hill farmers and what have you, and you can't tell me that that is in the same category as those mega farms that you see in South America, in no. North America, and wherever it else is. We can't throw the baby out of the bathwater. No, exactly. And, and, and the farmers get criticised beyond belief for all that, and I think it's, that's absolutely wrong. But yes, I, I think we should eat more veg. I think we should be very careful where we buy our fish and what we're buying. So yeah, I mean, you do. And in terms of you know the plastics, that's a huge thing now. I got yeah. really angry during the lockdown. Used to get these, you know, very kindly got lots of restaurant boxes sent. We bought quite a lot. Initially, the plastic that was used in those things was incredible. And you would fill a recycling bag in one hit easily with things, stupid poxy little things in a little pot that would just instantly be thrown away. So that changed, I noticed, as the lockdown went on and things were recyclable and stuff like that. So I think people have very much getting into that sort of frame of mind now but i think we're probably 10 years away from where we should be yeah i think i think my kids generation and your kids will be the ones who really take it forward yeah there's there's yeah. a and lot, I think we've lot had of work a, to do but the, yeah. the, the next generation is really going to accelerate it yeah yeah because it's in them now and they care about it whereas we're kind of just you know i remember as, as a 16 year old i was a member of greenpeace because my geography teacher was part of it. And I thought, this is a really good thing. And I wanted to go to the rainforest and get involved. And then that got dropped. And I didn't think about it when you go into uni and you go into life. And those things just sort of disappear because that's your young self, you know, wanting to be a little bit kind of, I don't know, worthy and save the world. 
But I think now that the next generation, it's just there. It's just in them. And they look at things and you go, well, why would you have that when I can have this? And it's second nature, which is what it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. You were going to say something, Ollie, but you got... I yeah, I, I was... I was... <laughs> So, I was absolutely hypnotised like a rattlesnake uh, caught in the headlights with Matt's words. I, I thought it was really well put, actually. The thing I was going to say is that, you know, I, I totally agree that the next generation have it in them. They do yeah. make, you know, very wise choices more often than perhaps our generation has. But I think what we're seeing at the moment, you know, the last few years with the global pandemic, the war in Ukraine, you know, there's so much desperation globally. You know, we have been held back from many moments where we should have all come together probably more often and had these conversations and it's terrifying to think that the antarctic was 40 degrees warmer than average i think it was a few days ago that that was um, just terrifying i, I shuddered that. when i read that yeah and, and the arctic was i believe 30 degrees Bloody warmer. Yeah. And I, I, i'm you know happy to be corrected if those are untrue but i i read it in a national newspaper and thought whoa unbelievable so yeah it's unbelievable. But I think the conversations, thankfully, you know, the next generation are having them. And we're having, look, we're having them now. That exactly. Counts. We all have to this do is, our This bit. is actually that conversation. We all need to do our bit. Now, before I let you boys go, I just want to talk about one trend in the yeah. food world. And that is the cookbook. And I've got both of your books. Hey, so I've you. got your lovely book, Ollie. It's the Home Cocktail Bible. Right, which is awesome. I love the gimlet in here. Really good. And then yes. Matt Tebbett, Weekend, which is just like <laughs> the two books together. is just like a dirty weekend away. Um, yeah, that's what your, we went for. Your salt and pepper lamb chops are, are just <laughs> awesome. But the, the thing is, I've got to ask a question, though. Yeah. Matt's on the front cover of his. Ollie, you're not on the front yeah. cover of yours. I I'm think, not pretty. I think it's a shame, right? You should be on <laughs> you there. You should be on that cover. But I've got to ask a question about the photographs you get on the front of cookbooks. Now, either <laughs> it is a photograph of someone holding something, or you're you're looking, or you're off, looking you're away off into the middle distance. Yeah, someone's just cracked a hilarious there, joke. Uh, there's something funny going on over there. Well, I, I I can't stand that. It's and I've done it I'm sorry, it's, it's me well, treading on Lego. That's uh, Chris Terry's fault, so you can blame him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what is it about the cookbook? It's always like someone's just said something hilarious about eggs and I've laughed my head off. <laughs> it's, honestly, I, I find the cover photo the most excruciating part of the book because I hate having my photo taken. And if I, we, I mean, we tried so many when you're just looking down the barrel of Chris's lens and I just look awful. I hate myself <laughs> in order to do it. Matt, I've got... It's, a, is that, I've oh, got that, that's funny. That's their much I think fun. for your next book... I think it's a very simple way to approach this. So you're looking down the barrel, you're on the cover of the book, you're staring deep into the camera's eyes, one word for you, shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> it's a win. Amazing. It's a win. Amazing. It's, I would buy no, it. I would no. buy it. I've got a book coming out this year which celebrates 20 years of starting the farm. And yeah. I, Chris Terry, who's an amazing photographer, did yeah. the front cover of that. Uh-huh. And I had to stand in front of one of our camels holding a cockerel and trying to smile at the same time and get the camel to look at the camera and the cock to look at the oh, camera. Wow. So it's me in front of the oh, camera, me in front of the camel holding a great big cock. Oh, I was going to say, uh, there's a Jimmy Duffy joke in there, <laughs> isn't there? There really is. <laughs> oh, dear. We're, we're going to have to crack the front cover conundrum sometimes, I think. But listen, chaps, it's been brilliant to catch up with you and have a chat and have a great rest of the show. And then, Thank you very much. Ollie, you look spectacular. Matt, have a good sleep. You, you, you sound tired. Thank you. 
There we are. That was the lovely Ollie and Matt. I think we ended up sounding like three old grumpy men towards the end. Just, I could talk to those guys forever. Absolutely fascinating, hilarious. I hope they Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Didn't take it the wrong way when I called them. R2-D2 and C-3PO, but I think you know what I meant. Uh, listen guys, hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please like, subscribe, uh, leave us some comments wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help new listeners find us. And I'll see you all back here for another episode of On Jimmy's Farm. Right, let's get planting. See you later guys.